Hello, this is FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the Dot Esports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ahmad Khan of CNET. LCS viewership saw a steady decline throughout the spring split. Average viewership was at 109,000, or 14.8 million hours watched total. That's down 22% from the summer of 2022, although there were 30 fewer hours of airtime. Even then, proportionally speaking, the spring split should have brought in closer to 15 million hours if kept at last year's pace. At a peak of 271,000 viewers, the 2023 LCS Spring Finals between Cloud9 and Golden Guardians was the least watched Grand Finals in the history of League of Legends, according to Esports Illustrated. Joining me today is Jordan Fragan of GameSpeed. Jordan, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. Absolutely. Happy to be here. So, Jordan, when it comes to the uh, LCS Spring Split, we've seen this steady decline, and I guess this comes along with the quote-unquote Esports Winter. Do you feel that any of this is connected? I mean, absolutely. You know, you're losing two of the most iconic orgs in the league, in CLG and potentially TSM. And a lot of that is just, you know, the bubble is bursting and people are looking at what they need to cut. And unfortunately, at the end of the day, you know, the LCS is is showing up on people's radars is something that is, uh, you know, people are marking down their investments. Mm-hmm. But I guess uh, where is I, I guess I'm kind of not understanding the connect there in that if the esports winter is more on the financial side, why is that affecting let's say the viewership side so dramatically? I mean, compare the level of investment in North American esports with the international results. Hmm. Um, you know, and it, like you know when you're asking for ten million dollars in franchising fees, and you know it's a really big deal when you get to the knockout stage. You know, and you're considered to be one of the four major regions in League of Legends esports. It just, you know, something's not tracking. And in particular, out of all those four major regions, you know, NA salaries are, you know, famously inflated. And right now, I think that people aren't seeing the payoff, um, both financially and viewership-wise. Do you, th- do you feel that the high expense of being in the LCS affects a team's ability to attract viewership in that there is less opportunity f- to maybe advertise or reach out on Twitter? Maybe Twitter isn't as um, marketable of a platform as it once was. Um, what other metrics are, 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 are we seeing? I think that they're correlated, but not causative. So hmm. what do I mean by that? Um, you know, if you have increasing investment, you're expecting to see better results. You can attract the best players. But something Hmm. happens to import players when they come to North America. You know, maybe it's that they're getting older, but, you know, I think that the underlying issue is just North America as a competitive region, partially. You know, if you look at the North American server size compared to, you know, Europe or Korea or China, it's tiny by comparison. And, you know, even though this tiny region has tons of money behind it, you know, it's a much harder situation where you, you just have less talent to draw from. And like, let's say, like, if there's less talented players in the LCS, there's maybe less desire to watch them play? Exactly. And, mm. you know, you also, I mean, this hits at a fundamental question with the LCS. You know, before in the early days of League of Legends, North America maybe wasn't, like, the most competitive region, but it was certainly... Um, had a, a large share of the pie. You know, we were at least able to show up and people um, had some legitimate hope that North America could do well in international competitions. Now, I mean, I think it's 
becoming more obvious to people that the North American region is struggling to, you know, stay on track with, you know, the rest of sort of the major regions. And I mean, so does that put the LCS in this kind of weird, let's say, if I could make a sports analog to this, like an MLS situation where there's a good amount of money, but it's also where players come to retire to just kind of have an easy time off as they sunset their careers. Is that too harsh of an analysis there? Um, I mean, too harsh is relative, but uh, <laughs> I think that it's, it, you know, you can definitely see some parallels. I would say that the other issue, though, is just the practice environment. Hmm. You know, like I can speak on this firsthand, you know, and, and I lived in uh, Europe for a year and playing games online in Europe, just the quality of player, like your average platinum game in Europe is very different than your average platinum game in North America. I mean, you can see the different regional play styles. You know, Korea famously is very, you know, early game focused. And, you know, but other regions have sort of their own flavors to it. I just think that North American players, you know, there's, the regions have different emphasis, or emphases. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the right word for it. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> each region has its own sort of um, player profile if you will. And mm. League of Legends and MOBAs, like it's not as popular in North America as say shooters are. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, your game knowledge is suffering. And when these really talented players from other regions come here and, you know, sure you're expecting to, you know, you're expecting some differences, but the quality of player is so different that, you know, it's really, difficult to stay as on top of your game as you could if you're practicing somewhere like Korea. I mean, that's why North American teams go to Korea to boot camp. Yeah, there, there are some cynics online that say that League of Legends, at least in North America, is a dead game. Uh, and they, the, some of those cynics point to how much attention Riot Games is putting towards Valorant, uh, especially in, in regards to the weekly schedule. Uh, to what extent does Riot's own attention to League in the United States versus Valorant and the current weekly schedule play, in your opinion, to the declining viewership? Well, it's interesting. I think that the the schedule change, um, you know, if I look at it in, you know, the most, uh, if I try to steel man this and try to like present it in the most positive possible light, you know, the Mm -hmm. peak viewing hour on Twitch is 12 p.m. Pacific time. And the Mm -hmm. reason for that is you hit the most um, English-speaking time zones, like mm-hmm. that's when the most people are awake to watch things. And so the original start time of 12 p.m. Pacific was intended to make it so people in Europe could, not all the time, but sometimes, you know, you could try to maybe capture some of that audience. You know, by pushing it back to 2 p.m. Pacific, you certainly make it easier for people in North America to watch it after school or after work. But, you know, you sort of defeat the purpose of potentially getting Europe to be able to watch some of the earlier matches. Um, You know, but I also think that shifting it to Wednesday and Friday, like I can understand where fans are coming from. Um, Mm. To me, I think that, you know, I understand Riot's business decision or business reasoning for um, giving Valorant a more uh, like the weekend spot. Um, you know, it's this fledgling league, it needs to get up and off the ground. And, you know, it's also one that um, I think it's easier for new fans to get into, 
you know, mm-hmm. I understand the, you know, haha, like League is a dead game meme. Um, you know, but I do think that, you know, the LCS is in its 11th season. You know, League is a game with a very intense learning curve. And, you know, there's a lot of other games that are competing for people's attention now, even compared to, you know, when League came out. Hmm. Um, you know, for an, if you're a, you know, a, a high schooler now, and you're looking at which game to, you know, invest your time and passion into, I can understand why, like, you need to give people a compelling reason to want to invest in your game, and, and League is, uh, you know, I love the game, I love playing it, but I can, I, I think that if we're being, like, there are certainly games that cater to a different style of play that is more popular now. I guess if you're if 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 Riot Games were to let's say moneyball viewership trying to optimize viewership no matter what uh, in this kind of hypothetical framework would it then just cater solely to the European market and but I guess the risk there is that you completely forego building an American fan base. You know, I think that it, it you need to come back to, you know, what is the compelling reason to get someone to tune into North American League of Legends. You know, right now um, you know, like, I don't, I think that because of the quality of play, you know, mm-hmm. it is difficult to want to watch North American League of Legends compared to, say, the LEC, mm-hmm. because, you know, you know, what's motivating people other than regional pride and maybe um, a better viewing time. Well, the, uh, speaking of the LEC and the CBLOL, both the European and Brazilian leagues are doing much better than the LCS. Uh, I mean, we, we, we spoke about this a little earlier, but uh, in, in your opinion, what is it, what is like, let's say the magic in these two regions that's allowing league to really flourish? Um, I think that there's there's two different regions. Um, so there's two different sets of reg- um, reasons, uh, although mm-hmm. they do share one in common. Uh, let's start with the CBLOL, just because that's a little bit more straightforward. Um, you know, Brazil, like, obviously, it's known for its very passionate esports audience. Um, mm-hmm. I am still sad I never got to go to IEM Rio, because that looks like it was just incredible. Um, but, you know, that kind of passion you know, is driving growth. And mm-hmm. in particular, um, Loud is doing really well. They won the region um, in spring. And Loud is an incredibly popular team in Brazil. I mean, if you look, I think Twitter puts out um, a list of, you know, the top, you know, the most mentioned esports teams. And Loud is consistently on that list. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, because they're doing well, you know, the team itself is driving viewership. Um, You know, now we can go a little bit more into Europe. I think that they have this reason in common. Um, You know, KOI joined the league um, fairly recently. um, And, you know, its owner, Ebi, you know, he co-streams when his team is playing. And when you have a massively popular streamer like Ebi streaming, you know, your your, your regular season matches, um, you know, it's at a time slot where on occasion an NA fan can catch the last match. And, um, you know, the quality of play is significantly better. You know, you can see the results. I mean, that's part of the reason why, um, you know, going back to Ebi, um, that's part of the reason why LEC Winter, you know, fell short of 
LEC Springs performance is that, mm-hmm. you know, KOI did better. <laughs> and I'm glad you brought up that point, uh, especially in regards to co-streaming and influencers, because it's not to say that the Twitch uh, game streaming environment in North America is unhealthy. It's actually incredibly healthy, uh, but it's the esports ecosystem that seems to be faltering. And we do have instances of certain influencers dabbling into the esports space, whether it be uh, Moist Critical and Ludwig with Moist Esports or uh, the continued rumblings of Beast, uh, Mr. Beast and his, potentially him going to esports. Is that a, a major factor in your opinion as to why League is potentially suffering and that there isn't a, a strong enough influencer drive? Um, I mean, I know that Riot does do co-streaming for North American games. Um, I guess the question is, you know, if they opened up the program to more co-streamers, would that make a difference? You know, it's potentially worth trying. Um, You know, I think that right now NA is having a bit of an identity crisis given the situation with Counterlogic Gaming Mm -hmm. and, you know, the questions around TSM. Um, You know, I think that, you know, obviously with NRG coming into the league, I think that there's potentially an opportunity to to leverage their streamers um but you know i do think that it'll be interesting to see how um you know both with uh moist moguls and um and disguised toast um yes both of them having teams in valorant challengers you know i think it's you know there's a you can measure that and I'd be curious to see what the results are. I think it could make a difference, but, you know, obviously it's hard to argue the counterfactual. When researching this uh, this story, there were definitely a lot of articles uh, bemoaning and pointing to doom and gloom about uh, League of Legends in North America. But I did find one uh, piece that was a bit more optimistic, and that came from... Um, Shinkenso Analytics Director of Sales and Marketing, Benedict Becker, who said in a piece for the Esports Advocate that the spring split did attract um, a largely adult Gen Z audience between the ages of 18 and 23, and that this is a particularly difficult market to reach. Uh, He also went on to say that for brands like Grubhub, uh, they did relatively well. So, I mean, can we glean some positives from uh, the spring split overall? Absolutely. I, I mean, I think it's incredibly difficult to argue that the LCS is not one of the most watched North American esports leagues out there, if not the most watched North American esports league. Um, mm. For advertisers who want to reach this audience in North America, the LCS is a great way to do it. Um, you know, it's difficult because at the end of the day, people are slashing advertising budgets now. Um, I, I do agree that, you know, the, I mean, esports has always been able to attract sponsors who want to reach that key audience that um Shikenso mentioned um you know it's i think that esports needs to find more ways to monetize the audience directly i think that riot is promising some steps in the correct direction there mm-hmm. um you know obviously we'll need to wait to hear more about the details of that um but their push for the uh virtual pass i think is what they're calling it right um you know, I think that that could make a difference um, in the long run. We obviously need to see what they're promising, though, and, and what that looks like. Um, I I do agree, though, that, you know, the fortune of the LCS rests on whether or not sponsors feel like they are getting a good deal sponsoring the league. 
Yeah, I'm also curious as to how that virtual pass plays out and what kind of goodies fans can get. And uh, overall, the costs and if if people can actually discern value from it. Because it's not that esports fans are unwilling to pay for items. Uh, I mean, you just look at the international. Yeah, the compendium for... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just how many yeah. millions of dollars... Uh, it, it brings in. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious as to what Riot has planned. Yeah, I mean, I think that you hit the nail on the head by comparing it to the compendium. I, I mean, the one thing that was clear from, or at least they floated the idea of, of tying the, like, event pass into the virtual pass. Mm -hmm. So all of the missions and the, you know, all of the, for the event, are going to be tied to buying this bundle, um, which is, you know, that's part of the motivation for people and the value that people get from, you know, contributing to the international's prize pool. But I guess, you know, we'll just have to continue monitoring the viewership and see if it improves over the summer and if uh, Riot and the the teams in the league can figure out more unique ways to to reach viewers. Uh, it's something that I'll definitely be looking at closely, as, I, as I'm sure you will as well. But with that, uh, Jordan, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And that was FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the Dot Esports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and share. To follow Jordan and keep up to date on esports analytics, you can find her at jfragan underscore on Twitter. To follow me and my work over at CNET, you can find me, sans blue check, at Imad on Twitter. And with that, we'll catch you guys next time.